Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories podcast. Hello, Sarasota. This is Bob. We are out of the office this week to attend the annual PodFest conference in Orlando. So for today, we're going to go back in our archives to episode number 10, where I talked with local icon Michael Clauber of Michael's on East. He's also one of the catalysts for the construction of the new Bayfront in downtown Sarasota. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode, and we'll be back to our regular schedule next week. As always, listen, learn, and connect. Michael Clauber, welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we launched uh, oh, a couple months ago, and so uh, you're one of the uh, the fresh faces, or fresh voices, I should say, that we're having on the show, and it's just a real pleasure to have you. I will say, uh, this has been a... What I do is, is I, I do my research on the guests I'm going to have best I can, and so I had to do a lot of research on you because you're a guy that's accomplished a lot in the Sarasota area. Well, thank you. And we're not done yet. Well, that's that's for sure. We're going to get into some of that. But as I look back, I mean, of course, you know, you have your iconic restaurant that's been in Sarasota for 35 years. You have a, an incredible wine cellar that was just recently uh, that was just recently tabbed by Wine Spectator, given the types of wines you have and the incredible service. You have a ballroom. You have a catering business. Let's see, you're at Selby Gardens. You are at Spanish Point. You've also started Sarasota Manatee Originals. And then you got then you got a really big project that's coming up here that's going to really impact uh, all of Sarasota. And we're going to get into that uh, toward the end of our interview today. But I guess what I'm curious about is... You started so many years ago in what's always been a very tough business, the restaurant business. Are you surprised at how far you've come? You know, I, I'm not really surprised that uh, we've gotten this far. Uh, you know, I grew up in the business and, you know, my mm. dad moved us here from Buffalo when I was 13. And a year later, he bought this aging resort on the beach on Longboat Key, the Colony Beach and Tennis Resort. And you know, I started in the business there. I think my first job was washing the windows. I graduated to washing the dishes. And then dad felt like if we were going to ever be in the business, we needed to, don't, to know how to do everything. And so it meant cleaning rooms, um, working in the kitchen, you know, whatever, whatever it 
took for us to get that experience. And, and it was an incredible place to grow up, especially as much as Buffalo is a great city, moving from Buffalo to Longboat Key was like going to heaven at 13 years old. Yeah, you know, I, I can imagine, particularly for a 13 year old. Well, well, you and I have uh, similar backgrounds as I grew up in a uh, basically a steel mill. And so I had to do all that in a lot hotter weather <laughs> with yeah, no wow. air conditioning. So, well, so, so you've started all these different businesses or divisions, I guess, of Michael's on East. Where does that creativity and that drive come from? Well, you know, after we moved here and, you know, I got through high school, I ended up going to Cornell and studying hotel and restaurant management. Uh, I was very lucky to get to do an apprenticeship in New Orleans at the Royal Senesta Hotel and then with Archie Kasbarian and his family at Arno's, you know, iconic, iconic restaurant that I helped help the family restore and reopen in the late 70s. And I learned a lot about food and food with flavor in Nolans. And you hear me saying Nolans because that's how we Nolans. say it. Um, yep. Got to work with people like um, Paul Prudhomme and Emeril Lagasse back in the day before they were, quote, maybe, you know, the famous icons that oh, wow. we know them yes. to be today. So yes. there was a lot of inspiration there. And then um, I came back to Sarasota in 1980 and ended up taking over the food and beverage at the colony uh, against my better judgment, but with the encouragement of my dad uh, claiming that he would step back and let me take the reins. Um, it was no small feat to get things turned around there um, the way that I wanted. I was lucky in one of my early years that one of the young management trainees that I brought in from Johnson & Wales College in Providence was Phil Mancini, who's uh, become my partner and you know, we've worked together pretty much steadily, maybe a year and a half break after I left the resort um, since 1980. So, you know, I took over the reins at the Colony restaurant. Um, there was a lot to change there. Uh, I took up wine uh, while I was in New Orleans at, at Arno's uh, eight weeks before we opened uh we opened the restaurant. The owner said, hey, you took a couple of those wine courses at Cornell, right? I said, yeah. He says, great. You're going to do the wine list now. And by the way, I want the best wine list in the city. So wow. I took it up in self-defense and um, and fell in love with it. So moving back to Sarasota a few years later, I realized that Florida and our area was like a wine wasteland. So for me, it was... Yes exploration and trying to find great wines, you know, traveling to California, finding small wineries that are now huge wineries, a lot of them today, and um, helping them get their wines into Florida and to, um, and to the colony. So it was, um, you know, the wine, um, the wine programs that we started, uh, we had the first um, nitrogen powered system uh, for preserving wines and serving them by the glass in the early eighties. We right. crazy programs like serving Dom Perignon by the glass went, you know, viral. Well, it went API and UPI uh, national before internet. Um, and, you know, we really, we turned that around. We won the grand award from the wine spectator in 1982, which was uh, really helped put us on the map there. And um, so, you know, my explorations there then became, traveling to Europe to start to start to find some of the great wineries there. Um, so in 1986, I decided um, we'd gotten every major award you could get 
um, for the resort and the food and beverage. And I decided it was time for me to go out on my own. And uh, as hard as it was not to take everybody with me in order to stay a family member, I made everybody that was working with me at the resort stay and wow. um, came into town and started Michael's on East. It's It was me and it was on East Avenue. So it was, you know, simple for the name. Right. But, you know, it, it continued, you know, I think I've always felt like one of my responsibilities was to bring, one of the things I love is bringing new ideas, new products, new concepts to, to our town. And so, you know, it's been a lot of that. The, the creativity that I get has been, you know, getting to know some of the great restaurateurs across the country, getting to know some of the great wineries around the world traveling and meeting chefs in countries far and wide across across the globe and constantly coming back with new exciting ideas to um, to incorporate into our restaurant and our business. That's quite a journey. So, so you really had great training before you ever brought it back to the Key Colony and, and brought it back and, and opened up your own restaurant. You sat in really some, some really I mean, great minds. You know, working with Archie Kasbarian, who was one of the great hoteliers um, and restaurant people in the whole country, I think that's where I really caught the concept of running the business from the guest point of view. And, um, you know, that is something that you might hear people say. It might sound cliche, but I like to think that, you know, Phil and I at Michael's have, have instituted that, whether it's a dinner in the restaurant or, a you know, a gala for 500 people. We're always thinking about, you know, what is the guest experience like? And even though sometimes it makes our lives more difficult, um, you know, we we like to think that we're doing we're really running everything from what is the guest experience going to be like? You've certainly done a, a magnificent job of doing that. What I I have a pretty long history with Sarasota as well. It really coming down from the Cincinnati area. I was a snowbird do the do the two weeks of spring break. So it's a very common story. I remember coming down in starting in 1980 through the 90s, et cetera. And then as we, we had children and whatnot, my father-in-law had a home on Bird Key. So I, I decided right, th- right then and there that uh, we had a great vacation home when we did to bring the Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. But the, uh, the thing that struck me at the time is that Sarasota was just not a great food town back then. Um, and it's not an uncommon thing, obviously, because it was just small. And then you had Rich Carlton roll in here. You started your restaurant. But Sarasota is, is, in certain circles, is developing a much more sophisticated palate. And I think you've really tapped into that. You know, some of the things that we did in the early days at the Colony were some of these, um, you know, we had the Colony Spring Wine Fair that became the Colony Stone Crab Festival. And we would have chefs and winemakers coming from all over the country. And, you know, eventually people started to say like, hey, you know, what are you doing in Sarasota that, you know, it, you're getting all of these winemakers and all these great chefs to come in. Um, so you're right. There was, you know, always that inspiration of we need to bring new experiences back to people in our town. And, you know, over the years, it became pretty normal for people to come to Sarasota. The first um, um, Florida wine fest and auction in 1991 in the courtyard of the Ringling Museum with with 50 winemakers, we're not talking about local reps. We're talking about the Robert Mondavis and wow. owners of some of the great wineries around the world came to Sarasota. And, um, you know, that continued. You know, I think you mentioned inspirations. And, 
you know, one of the things too, that I'm very lucky, my wife and I lead um, through our loyalty program, the Gulf Coast Connoisseur Club. We've been leading food and wine trips around the world for 16 years now. And, and we've led 40 groups, um, literally from all over Asia to all over Europe, um, the U.S. And so each one of those trips inspires us. Um, Terry's a great, a great cook and a great chef at home. Um, and so a lot of the ideas come from those trips and those lucky guests that get to be along with us as we um, explore those places. Uh, South Africa has become, you know, a real passion for us and one. food and the wines, um, the wine country there in South Africa is some of the most gorgeous in the world. And the wines are certainly some of the best values, if not the best values in the world right now. My goodness. is You know, as you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, you're, you're kind of tapping into John Ringling, who in his heyday <sighs> went around the world and he brought back all the wonderful art that you see over at Cotizan and, and his home. But you bring back great ideas for the restaurant industry, for what you're doing. You know, you, you think about John Ringling and what a what a visionary he was in the 1920s to be able to do that. And, you know, his vision was to put Sarasota on the map as an art destination. And, you know, today you look at our community and how proud we are. I get goosebumps when I think about it, of all the arts organizations. And, you know, we are the center of of the arts, um, the performing arts. And I I like to think that, you know, we are equally as strong in the culinary arts. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, our Sarasota Manatee Originals, which started in 2003 with eight of us that saw, we decided to circle our wagons because we saw some of the big national chains starting to come in. And, you know, how do we preserve this, you know, what we feel is a strong culinary heritage that we have in our region. And uh, we started up this organization with eight of us, became 24 um, and, you know, today over 60 restaurants from the tip of Anna Maria Island to, uh, to Venice Pass, all working Venice. together, supporting each other, marketing together, um, and having, you know, great success with, you know, our big event, um, Forks and Corks, uh, has really grown too. And the international winemakers and, and people that come in, uh, from all over the country for that event, uh, it's just it's just amazing to see how that's grown and how, how our community definitely embraces um, the, you know, the food arts and the, the the wine and food events that go on in this town. To me, it's amazing how they kind of go hand in glove. Uh, typically, you will see, well, obviously, you're going to have to have the food along the way. But what I find fascinating is, again, as I do my research, is like you are you, you, you bring people along with you. I mean, you had a great board on the. Sarasota Manatee Originals, they're, they're restaurant owners, they're all involved with the food. So it's not as if you have someone who just wants to serve on a board because it's good for the resume or whatnot. No, they're all, you know, these are all locally owned independent restaurants and restaurateurs. Um, and, you know, growing up, you were taught that the guy down the street or the girl, the woman down the street was your competition. We realized that as local independents, um, that we were going to be stronger working together than working against each other. And, you know, the stories of, um, of you know, individual support from restaurant to restaurant over the years um, is just, you know, it's incredible. And, it, and it's, um, it celebrates the culinary arts in our region and I think continues to challenge us as restaurant owners 
to continue to up the bar? Well, that I appreciate because the competition is coming. And so I think everybody has to up the bar. So I couldn't agree with you more. But no, I would say that Sarasota has now become a very lovely uh, food culture. And you've been a big part of that. Talk about a little bit about the people that you've had to work with. And I'm talking more about your staff and the folks that you've had to recruit and develop. Because just as you got a great training, if you will, before you started Michael's on East, you've had to build up a group of people around you that can allow you the freedom to create. Talk about a little bit about that and, and how you were able to accomplish it. You know, Phil and I like to think, and, and we believe this, that our staff is like family. And so, um, so many of our team have worked with us for decades now. Um, it's wow. incredible. Um, you know, I think of Tracy McCammock that works in our catering division, her mom was our manager when we took over the colony. And so I've known Tracy since she was a little girl and um, watched her grow up and become our, our lead captain on all these big events. And I think about, you know, our chef, Jamil Pineda. Uh, Jamil was um, at the colony for 11 years um, as their chef, um, organizing all those big events that, that were going on there and, and creating such great food. And when my dad closed the resort and 2010, I said, Jamil, you're my brother. You're coming with me. And, um, and he joined Phil and I, and, and, you know, the stories like that, the Henry's Henry Albericos and, um, you know, members of our restaurant staff, Joe Luria, AJ, um, it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, I think we do treat them like family and we're not a typical big, uh, big guns corporation either. So we do take a personal interest in all of our staff and, when they need us, we're there for them. So um, I think that's helped build the camaraderie and the, um, you know, the the just the emotions that we have um, in our in our restaurant family at Michael's on East. Well, I think that since you know so many of their names, that's indicative of the type of culture you build at at Michael's on East. I'm sure, like so many other restaurants, you went through a very difficult time, or maybe still going through a difficult time. Or maybe a less difficult time because of this uh, this uh, this pandemic that everybody's had to deal with staffing. Uh, you've had to pivot. You're concerned about people's health. Talk a little bit about what it looked like when you had to manage through that, and maybe a couple of points of what you learned. You know, for for every aspect of our business, and especially during this pandemic, I've learned that you have to be a great listener. You've got to be able to listen to your guests when you're developing your menus and, you know, and creating these experiences for people. And when we hit the, you know, the, the pandemic, again, we had to drop into running the business from our guest point of view. We took the most conservative side of safety protocols um, throughout this program, uh, throughout this pandemic. And, you know, our staff has been on board with it. It's all been about keeping them safe and keeping our guests safe. And so from when they closed us and we reopened, I like to say it's been one giant pivot because it has. There's been so many things that um, that were thrown at us. But with the amazing team that we've had, we've worked our way through it and we've learned so much. We now serve, um, we have outdoor dining in the beautiful atrium that uh, is adjacent to the restaurant and, and our ballroom. And since the ballroom was empty, 
uh, and no parties, it turned out to be such a gorgeous place to be able to um, to serve dinner. And and we do. Uh, and we'll continue to do that. We've learned how to do that and still have parties in the ballroom. So I, I think that's one of the things that came out of this. And, and listening to our guests, there have been times when we weren't able to serve inside um, and we could only be outside. And then, you know, and depending on where the community's at in our um, infection rates, yes, there's been times when people want to sit inside and outside or vice versa. Um, you know, we've rolled with it and we listened to it. I would say the biggest challenge, and you'll hear this probably from most businesses, has been the staffing. And um, so at this point, we're only serving dinners um, five nights a week. We used to serve lunch five days a week, but we're far from being staffed for uh, reopening that. And uh, keeping everybody safe has been um, super important. We created a program for when things loosen up, which we just reinstituted again this week where if our staff members are fully vaccinated um, plus two weeks, they can come to our HR department. We created a custom little pin with a V on it that says they're fully vaccinated and they could wear the mask around their, their neck and announce to the staff, to the guests that, you know, I'm fully vaccinated, but I have a mask here if you'd like me to wear it. And we've got an incredible response from that. And I hope that we get to stay in this place um, and through this point and, uh, continue to find whatever the new normal is. That's uh, that's an incredible story because I know there are so many restaurants across the country that did not make it. Now we're, we're talking in the hundreds of thousands that did not make it. It's really tough, and you know I'm very involved in um, some of the national organizations and the stories. Um, I have a group of restaurant tours. We're in a, um, a video group, twelve of us, all over different parts of the country, and the stories from you know, people that, that are in the group from Washington State, from Seattle, from San Francisco, from Philadelphia, from New York, from Atlanta. I mean, we all get together once a month and talk about things. And um, the challenges abound across the country and still do. It may have been that industry may your industry may have been hit the worst. I think of all uh, you consider that and the cruise ships and festivals and whatnot. I have a brother who works in the music industry and um, he was getting ready to have his best year ever and just went to zero. So, but it's a wonderful story to see that you were able to pivot and really consider, you know, kind of all your stakeholders and, and your business customers and, and uh, staff alike. Well, when you think about it too, you know, Phil Mancini, as I mentioned, my partner oversees the catering and banquet part. And that went pretty dark for a long time. Um, we do a lot of weddings and we have brides that were on their third and fourth move dates. Uh, we had a wedding yes. a couple of weeks ago and everything yes. was imprinted with a, with a date in uh, March of 2020. And they decided they just used everything and they had a lot mm -hmm. of fun with it. Um, but yeah, so that's been, you know, quite a challenge of um, getting staffed for those, those uh, events too, but it's coming back. Um, Selby gardens has been a special gift for us. Uh, in allowing us to have this wonderful venue that's literally a mile from the restaurant. They now took on Spanish Point um, last summer, and we're thrilled to be able to introduce that incredible site to people for it special is. events too. And and um, we just love all the things that are happening, you know, across our community. Well, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. You've, you've, talked, you've talked several times about Phil, your partner. And years ago, I read a... Uh, 
a business book and it talked about partnerships. You need a Mr. Inside and a Mr. Outside. Hmm. Talk about how you and Phil have kind of collaborated and split your responsibilities and really merging the different talents that you have and how you, how you deal with disagreements. You know, Phil and I are, are very different people and, you know, it really works to our advantage, but we do have that, that core value of, you know, the guest experience being first and foremost. So the challenges that we have, um, that we've had, we've always been able to sort back to that. What is the best thing that we can do for the guests? What are we hearing? What, you know, in the listening part of it, what are we listening for? Phil loves the catering and the banquet side of things. Um, you know, he, he, he's fantastic at it. He can, you know, create incredible um, parties for people. Uh, he's not, he's not, he doesn't love the restaurant side of things. So, you know, I do that. I manage the, the marketing side of things. Um, Phil and I both do the finances together, but you know, we, the two of us have been through a lot. When you think about, you know, you think about two people working together since 1980 um, and we're still together and we still support and love each other. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing story, really longer than either of our marriages. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, we're both lucky to have incredible wives that support us every day. And, yeah. um, you know, Phil with Kim and, and myself with my wife, Terry, we're, we're two lucky guys that, We've got women behind us and supporting us and encouraging us um, day in and day out. It's a it's a beautiful thing. And I love our partnership. Um, we continue to explore possibilities and um, and we we sort things off each other in a great way. Um, we might not always sound like we agree uh, to our staff sometimes because, you know, Phil will jump in sometime and, and you know, give some input and then I'll come in you know, the next day and give other input. But when the two of us sit down, we figure it out. And we've always been able to do that. That's great. That's a great story because obviously there's a lot of great collaborations out there down through history and whatnot, where a couple of men or a couple of women or men and women were able to accomplish great things. And then of course, there's a lot of stories where a lot of shrapnel, a lot of, a lot of landmines they hit along the way and they didn't make it. So for you guys to be together for that long is, is quite a story. You know, we've had you know, as partners and, you know, as business partners, we've had incredible business challenges. We've both had incredible personal challenges, but, you know, I know that he's there for me and I'm there for him always. That's wonderful. That's a great story. I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what may be your, your biggest project yet, or certainly your most um, visible project, because it's really going to impact everybody in the Sarasota area. And that's the Bayfront. So talk about what is going on, how it got started, and your role in the Bayfront project. Well, you know, one of the things that's, um, that's always been important to me and, and is giving back to the community. So, you know, you, you know of all the organizations, nonprofits that we help, whether they're arts or families or Make-A-Wish um, you know, it's all about giving back to the community. And I was, um, I was chairing Visit Sarasota County and went on a, a learning trip to Nashville, Tennessee with 
um, elected officials and city manager and, and county administrator, about 30 something of us. And we were, we were exploring that community and learning from, you know, their educators and from their elected officials about all the things that they were doing. And they talked about this one area, it's called the Gulch and how they were restoring this old train yard into something special. And we got back on the bus and I had, uh, I had um, John Thaxton from Gulf Coast Community Foundation, yes. and a county administrator and a city manager. And, and the two, um, the city and the county person were talking about, you know, redeveloping our bayfront and um, dusting off some old plans that would have allowed for some commercial development on it. And I, I said, wait a minute, did you all just say you want to, you want to basically turn this beautiful piece of land into commercial development and got back to Sarasota and worked with Virginia Haley from um, visit Sarasota and went and looked at a, at a map um, created a Google map that showed the, um, the, the city owned park um, the quay that's now being built out was a piece of grass. There was a yep. billion dollar project across the street from that. There was Centennial Park to the north. And believe it or not, there was 75 acres in play all at the same time. Oh, and wow. I went to my board of, of Visit Sarasota County with this big um, this big map with these areas um, outlined and said, what are they going to say about us 50 years from now? when we had an opportunity to make great decisions about how to use this land for the benefit of our kids, grandkids, and the future public. And the jaws around the table were pretty, pretty wide open um, because nobody was really thinking about, about all of that property. And my board said, you know, go out and start a conversation. And uh, it was like that. It was wow. you know, John Thaxton, Virginia, myself, um, Joe McKenna from the orchestra, you know, we started out with six or eight of us kind of like the originals started out. And, um, we started reaching out to the community and we decided, um, we needed some, we needed some professional help. And we, we hired, um, all of this fundraising has been private. Um, we actually, <laughs> in order to do that, I remember hosting, a an event of some business leaders at Michael's and uh, a small group. And all I, all I had to do, all I had to show was that big map. And somehow I was able to raise the money. Um, Drayton Saunders was part of it from Michael Saunders and sure. company too. Yes. He's been my partner in crime on this as well. And, yep. um, you know, we were able to raise the money to bring in this amazing um, organization from New York city who'd done park work all over the country and community outreach projects. And they said, look, you've got to, you've got to create an organization that in, in, includes all the different parts of your community. You need to create a vision and a set of guiding principles. So we created this organization called Bayfront 2020, 20 colon 20, because yes. I believed that you needed to have um, clear focused vision to get us there. And that by 2020, we hoped that we would see significant results. And of course, we were able to do that. And um, so Bayfront 2020 grew to 62 organizations, every made it, all the neighborhoods, all the community foundations, um, all the arts organizations. It was amazing to have that group all sitting around um, tables in this, in this room. We did community outreach, um, charrettes, uh, meetings, um, ideas. We were able to, uh, 
um, moved from that into a um, Bayfront planning organization. And today into the, uh, the Bay Park um, Conservancy and, you know, with an amazing board. And you mentioned Cincinnati and our, um, our CEO of the organization is A.G. Laffley. Of right. Course, from, P&G. From Cincinnati, yes. who, mm-hmm. who oversaw and worked tirelessly in uh, redeveloping your downtown in C- Cincinnati. Yes, so, he did. Yes, you know, he did. Kathy Layton, um, all the, you know, the board members that we have on this today. Um, it's a nonprofit organization. Um, between um, private private grants and um, contributions, uh, we're touching fifty million dollars, and the first phase is being built as we speak. So uh, we hope to open up the major part of the first ten acres uh, this summer. Although you can walk the mangrove bayou right now, it's it's just incredible. So currently, I'm um, I'm a board member. Uh, we've got a like I said, a fantastic team, uh, board members that are working tirelessly on this. Um, the community is supporting it. The community outreach that we continue to do to continue to listen. You've got to listen to the community. You've got to listen in, in any business to your, to your clients and your guests. So I think it's a great example of, of community um, communication of community outreach. We know that this is the largest community outreach project ever in the history of our region. Incredible. Um, and one of the largest in the state of Florida. So, you know, this whole process of, of getting all of these different organizations together, I, I loved it. I got to go out and meet people in different parts of the community. I hosted over 400 meetings on this, um, you know, getting us to the point where we could have this, you know, nonprofit board now. I loved it. You know, I got to meet people in the community that I'd never met before. And, you know, it was, it was wonderful to be getting people's input and ideas. We had, we had boards with the, the original ideas for the uh, six guiding principles that we live by today um, that were actually adopted in perpetuity by our city commission in 2015. Um, there were a fair amount of doubters, but I think today as people walk that incredible park and walk that bayou and see what we're doing and that it's really happening, um, I think it's, it's, it's incredible. And so this is going to be our central park, like New York City has its central park. This is going to be the center of our community's um, you know, ability to connect and it's, it reaches to all, all of our community. It's free, open and welcoming to everybody in our community. And we will, we will stay with that forever. So, so, so and I love the analogy between Central Park and our Bayfront. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Of course, I've been down to the Bayfront many, many times. It's lovely to walk in the current park that's down there, but you can see where it could be a whole lot more if there was really a master plan of bringing it all together. And given your history with uh, Sarasota and what you've been able to do, not only business-wise, but philanthropy and whatnot, it, it makes all the sense in the world that you'd be uh, really one of the driving forces behind it. I, I guess what struck me is there are so many moving parts to this. There are so many interested parties in this and how – Obviously, as you have said several times, it's listening. It's really listening. But how you can get past the personal agendas and really move the project forward. It's, it's an extraordinary um, accomplishment. You know, it's the 
it's that vision and guiding principles that are so important because, you know, they are the voice of our community of what they wanted. And when you read those six um, guiding principles, it's, it's incredible because they're categorized in different aspects of the park. Um, but it's awesome because the community has their voice um, and they can call out elected officials as we move forward and say, wait a minute, that's not what the guiding principles say. Right. The other side of it is for your elected officials, they all want a platform to stand on, something to sort against. So as, as ideas and plans come forward, they're going to be able to sort and, st- and say, wait a minute, our guiding principles that we adopted for this park say this. And so it's a win-win for the community. The other thing, you know, when you talk about, you know, visions and dreams for the future is I think I caught a lot of that from my dad because people that knew Murph Clauber would tell you that this man had vision That's to wonderful. turn that, that aging um, beachfront resort into the number one tennis resort in the country. Um, but the ideas that he projected for downtown Sarasota 20 years ago, um, ideas and plans and projects. Um, he was part of the original team that developed um, where the Hyatt and the Quay and that whole property back in, you know, very, very early on in like 1970 and 71. And unfortunately, all of those designs did not all come to fruition. But, you know, I watched him dream big. And, you know, I think that he he is still today an inspiration for me um, as I think about giving back to the community um, and things that, you know, things that would bring more pleasure and excitement to all that live here. Well, that's a wonderful tribute to your father, and it's a great way to sign off here. But I, I as I said, I mean, there's a whole lot more to, to uh, discuss at a future date, so I definitely would love to have you back on. Well, I'm happy to do that anytime. It's been We're- fun talking to you. If, if uh, people want to find out more about the Bayfront, they want to find out more about you or Michael's on East or any other of the uh, businesses you're involved with, where do they go? Well, for, for Michael's on East, you can just go to bestfood.com. I'm a lifelong techie, and that was actually the first restaurant on the internet back in 1994, <laughs> believe it or not. Bestfood.com. Very good. And if you look up the Bay Sarasota you will find an incredible website full of um, information and history and all the master plans. The master plan for that 53-acre park is incredible. And everyone needs to go look at that and everyone needs to go walk that um, incredible space and, you know, dream along with all of us as what it's going to look like over the next seven to 10 years as it comes to fruition. Now, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Michael Clauber, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. 